In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. If you have read, or might have read, the book of St. Luke's Gospel, you would know or learn that the 24th and concluding chapter of St. Luke's Gospel has three acts. And it is in Luke's first act in chapter 24, verses 1 to 12, that we learn of the story of the empty tomb on the first day of the week that the women found the tomb empty and they were terrified by two men in blazing garments. And that the women had gathered and told the men about what they had seen. Finally, we learned that Peter ran all the way to the empty tomb, saw the linen clothes and was shocked and amazed. Now in today's gospel, in verses 13 to 35, 22 verses, we have the second act that takes us away from Jerusalem and from the women and the men who had followed Jesus during his lifetime. This second part of the story also tells us that on this very day, two of Jesus' disciples began walking to the town of Emmaus about seven miles away from Jerusalem. They are Cleopas and his, his companion. Now, if we were to walk from All Saints, east on 16th Street, turn north on College Avenue, and walk seven miles, we would take about two and a half hours, end up on north um, part of uh, uh, Broad Ripple and on the campus of Park Tudor School. And at a normal walking pace, it would definitely take much more than two hours to get there. So we know that our two disciples, one named Cleopas and the other unnamed at this point, would have plenty of time to talk about the events at the tomb, the women terrified, the two men in dazzling white garments, the empty tomb and Peter seeking, seeing the linen on the floor. For our travelers, no doubt, all this news about the missing body was not only flesh and fresh in their mind, but sadly, it created a fantastic opportunity to speculate, to speculate on what it all meant. Where is Jesus the Messiah now? What does this mean for those who were present at the tomb? Would we too suffer a similar fate under the rule of the Romans? Is it safe for us in Jerusalem? And oh, by the way, what are the disciples up to? Why aren't they front and center? Lots of mysteries. Now the two disciples, Cleopas and his partner, who are walking to Emmaus would have been walking side by side, shoulder to shoulder, while looking ahead on the road. This is a universally normal pattern. Two or more people walking together, looking forward, and occasionally turning to see if their partner or partners were still beside them. We see this pattern everywhere, including 
right here in our historic church. Look at all the folks who are sitting side by side, shoulder to shoulder. This interpersonal pattern of communication and connection creates lots of opportunity for companions to assert their opinions and ideas, to challenge the thoughts of the partner beside him or her, and to establish a communal experience that binds them together. Sometimes it is a brief experience. Sometimes it's a lifetime experience. Sometimes it is a simple, even boring moment. And sometimes it is a surprisingly shocking moment. It doesn't take rocket science to recognize and learn that walking side by side for more than two hours bonds people together, whether in agreement or disharmony. As the pair nears Emmaus, Jesus quietly joins the two travelers and goes along with them. Now we have three travelers side by side and Jesus immediately jumps into the conversation with an open-ended question. What are you discussing with each other while you walk along? Cleopas and his partner immediately froze in place and looked sad, sad, sad. They believed they had lost their dear friend. They were mystified and disheartened that his remains had disappeared. They needed to get away, take a hike, diminish their sadness, and regroup so they could go on with their lives. Their sadness was as deep inside them as their memories of Jesus and were no doubt the major discussion points in their conversation. One of the key points in their version of the events at Golgotha and the tomb is that they had hoped that Jesus would redeem Israel. He would launch a glorious new age for the Jews. They wanted someone who could lead them successfully away from Roman rule and its tyranny, and also away from the increasing secularization of Judaism in Jerusalem. They noted that angels had said Jesus was alive, but they had no other evidence, nothing else to cling to that would prove it to be true or for him to be alive. No wonder the companions had been pondering their future and the future of their people, Israel. They were completely stumped and depressed that Jesus had totally disappeared. Now traveling with the two companions en route to Emmaus, Jesus immediately responded to their fears and misunderstandings with a stinging wake-up call for them to wake up and get real. Jesus scolds the pair by saying and asking, oh, how foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have declared. Was it not necessary that the Messiah should suffer these things and then enter into his glory? After letting that sink in and then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, 
he interpreted to them all the things about himself in all of scriptures. Now keep in mind that St. Luke is pointing out that Jesus is referring to the Hebrew prophetic scriptures from Moses to Malachi and not to the future New Testament writers. He would have made them fully aware of the many, many prophetic and spiritual acts of Moses, along with Elijah, Elisha, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Job, Daniel, Micah, Zechariah, and Malachi, and all the others. He told them everything. In each of these prophetic books, there were clear illustrations and narratives about how God was using the prophets as meaningful messengers for treating God's salvation for his people. Jesus himself, in a prophetic mode by interpreting the Holy Gospel, the Old Testament prophets, and all their scriptures. So it comes about that Jesus breaks bread with the two. And they immediately realized that it was Jesus himself who then must be alive and well. Who then not only would be alive and well, but that they would have a life and a future. So with open eyes, they headed back to Jerusalem after Jesus disappeared from their sight. Now loaded with convincing evidence that God had resurrected his son Jesus from the dead, they found the 11 disciples and told them what had happened on the road, saying, the Lord has risen indeed, and he has also appeared to Simon Peter. They also told the disciples how Jesus had been made known to them in the breaking of the bread. The questions hang out there, however. What are we to make of this story of two folks who make a round trip from Jerusalem to Emmaus and back? What can we take away from a biblical story with a happy ending? What can we use in the power of our companionship to look forward down our roads and bring more peace and healing to the world? How can we use our companionship to be communal and bring the blessings of Jesus given to us to those who are in and around us? The answers are straightforward. We need to use our compassion to heal the sick, the lost and the needy. We need to use our communal spirit to support the various needs of the church in a painful world. Become sturdy in understanding our scriptures, Old Testament and New Testament, as they proclaim God's salvation for us all. We need to learn to pray without ceasing we need to learn to rejoice in our practice of taking bread, blessing it, and breaking it, and expressing our gratitude to the Lord Jesus for always being there for us no matter what. 
Jesus has indeed risen. His presence is here, and we give hearty and humble thanks to his many blessings. Amen.